Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. So here we are today. It's uh, Saturday, and I'm recording this ahead of time. Um, many of you are aware that we've been dealing with COVID at our house, and, and so just as an extra precaution so that I'm not there in person uh, spreading anything, if there's any chance of that, we're recording this ahead. Sorry, I can't be there with you. The last hymn that you just sang, though, uh, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, that great hymn, one of my favorites uh, as we think of the uncertain times in which we live. What if I to fear, what if I to dread? Uh, nothing when we know that we can lean on the Lord. <clears throat> I have a couple of questions to ask you as, as we begin here today then. One of them is this, how many of you have assigned seats at the table in your house? <clears throat> and I know since I'm not there in person, probably nobody's raising your hands about now, but uh, you may be smiling at each other and giving some knowing looks there. How many of you uh, kind of think that you also have assigned seats even here at church? And, and again, I'm sure you're not raising your hand, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, so how, how do you end up then feeling when somebody else sits in your seat? <clears throat> at our house, I have sat in the same place at the table for the last 12 years. And in that time frame then, our table has gone from being really very full with eight people around it to being quite empty with just three. And after Josiah left last February, then I was, it was down to where I was left sitting at the opposite end of the table from Jean and Isaiah, all by myself over here. And, and so I moved down to their end for one or two meals. But it felt so strange for them and for me that I, I just moved back. Sometimes when family all comes back home for a few days and they bring the grandkids and stuff too, uh, the table gets really full. And, and one of my granddaughters loves to kind of tease me and she says, Papa Lloyd, I, I'm going to sit in your seat. And, and so sometimes I go over and I pretend to kind of sit in her lap uh, until she moves. <clears throat> Other times I, I pretend I don't notice and I just let her sit there. Well, in the text today, Jesus tells us what he thinks of people who put themselves in somebody else's seat. Not so much at the supper table or at church, but rather people that on their own assume positions of authority over others. We're going to be looking today at Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. I invite you to turn to that, and, and would you stand in reverence to God's word as we read from that today? Matthew 23, <clears throat> begins verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. <clears throat> Therefore, whatever they tell you, do, and comply with it all. But do not do as they do, for they say things and do not do them. And they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as their finger. And they do all their deeds to be noticed by other people. 
For they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments, and they love the place of honor at banquets and the seats of honor in the synagogues and personal greetings in the marketplaces and be called rabbi by the people. <clears throat> but as for you, do not be called rabbi, for only one is your teacher, and you are all brothers and sisters. And do not call anyone on earth your father, <coughs> for only one is your father, <coughs> he who is in heaven. And do not be called leaders, for only one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest of you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. Whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Let us pray. Multitudes and disciples and taught them concerning attitudes toward each other and toward you, Lord. <clears throat> we pray that you would teach us as well from this example. And Lord, that you would have your way in each of our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Last week, Pastor Ryan spoke on a text in, I think it's chapter 10 of the Gospel of Mark, and <clears throat> there Jesus was interacting with the disciples and the Pharisees who had criticized some of the practices of him and his disciples. And you might say that this text is, is like part two of Pick on the Pharisees. <clears throat> Though in this text Jesus is not speaking directly to them, but rather in their hearing, he, he's speaking about them as he warns the multitude and his own disciples about them. And this then leads to a direct confrontation with them in the verses that follow after that in verse 13 and following. But we're going to stop today just at verse 12. <clears throat> Pastor Ryan probably explained this, this last week, but just so everybody understands. Well, the Pharisees were a group of religious leaders of Jew, Jewish religion along with the Sadducees. And they were together a part of the Jewish council, that, which was at the top then of the Jewish religion. And the scribes were, were Pharisees that were like the, the professional students of the Old Testament. They were considered the experts in the law of Moses, and so the rest of the Pharisees took their word for it concerning what they said, and, and, and then they made it their business to translate it into life practices and, and have the common folk then accountable to follow their example. And, and so you can see how that could lead then to some issues of pride and arrogance, and, and it certainly did. <clears throat> and as we walk through this text then, I want to break it down into three focuses. The scribes and the Pharisees' seat, and then your seat or your title and mine, and then Jesus' seat. First of all, the scribes and the Pharisees' seat. Jesus says about, him, about them here that they seated themselves in Moses' seat. You likely remember that Moses was a man that God called to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And so when Pharaoh changed his mind about letting the Israelites go and he chased them, <coughs> it was Moses who led the Israelites through the Red Sea. So God then parted the waters there. And it was Moses who then went up the mountain and, and received from God the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. And, and so ever after that, then, Moses held this position, high place in the minds of the Jewish people. <coughs> but do you remember how Moses got to that position? It was very reluctantly. When God called him to lead, what did he say? Well, I'm kind of paraphrasing it here, but it was something like this. Lord, Lord I think you've got the wrong guy. Besides, I'm not really wanting to leave Midian and my sheep here. And, 
And Pharaoh will never let the people go. And, and the people won't believe me. And, and, and I wouldn't know what to say anyway. Couldn't you find someone else? But God took away all of Moses' objections and still called him to be the leader of the Israelites. <clears throat> and this was God's plan then, not Moses' plan. Well, here Jesus says that the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. They, they have claimed a place of honor that was not theirs to decide. And along with that, then they had taken the Ten Commandments that Moses had received from God, and they'd added to them all kinds of additional rules. And, and had made it really, you know, made following the Ten Commandments about as complicated to understand as following tax laws in our land. And, and Jesus told the multitudes, and he told his disciples, and the scribes and the Pharisees here then, uh, about the scribes and the Pharisees, that they, that they were hypocritical. That they were saying one thing and doing another. And so he says, do not do as they do, for they say things, and they do not do them. They were like some of the examples in the news lately, uh, of political leaders that make rules for everyone else, and then don't follow them themselves. <clears throat> and there is reason then that the term Pharisee today is, in our minds is synonymous with hypocrite. They didn't care about people but themselves. <clears throat> Verse 4 says, they, Jesus talking here about them, they tie up heavy burdens and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as their finger. Now what is that about? <clears throat> well, they didn't literally strap heavy weights to people's shoulders and then walk alongside them without helping. But to illustrate, let me just give you this example. I'm reminded of talking with the son who's in the military and going through some training where they have to carry, I think it's 120-pound packs for a several-mile hike. And you get that picture in your mind now. <clears throat> and imagine if somebody else is hiking right alongside them, and, and they are groaning under the weight, and yet this one doesn't even lift a finger to help. Well, the Pharisees did that figuratively by loading people's lives with all kinds of extra laws and acting like they were attainable. And they pointed out over and over people's failure to keep God's laws and their additions to them. <clears throat> but they never really gave the people any relief from the condemnation of the law and offered them God's forgiveness, though that message was also right there in the books of Moses. Jesus says about them they did their deeds to be noticed by men. And so they did things like tying up little boxes with verses <clears throat> from the books of Moses and putting them inside those little boxes and then hanging them on their garments so that they'd be really noticeable that they were thoroughly following Moses. But inside, they weren't following God or Moses. Their, their hearts were far from God. <clears throat> their religion wasn't vertical at all. It was all about looking good to other people. And Jesus pointed that out to his disciples and to the multitudes. An example that he mentions then is how they loved the seats of honor. They loved titles that placed them above others. <clears throat> they would go to a community functions, for instance, like banquets, and make sure to sit at the head of the table. Sit up front in the synagogue where everyone else could see them there. And, and they loved walking around in public and claiming prestigious titles like rabbi and father and leader. What did Jesus tell his disciples and the multitudes concerning all of this? 
And what does he tell us today as, as well that we should learn from the scribes and the Pharisees? Well, as we look at the next verses here, we see that um, as we look at your seat or your title and mine here, then he's saying, verse 3, don't be like them. Therefore, whatever they tell you, do and comply with it, but do not do as they do. That is, if, if they tell you what's truly God's word, well, then listen to that and comply with it, but don't follow their bad example. Don't seat yourselves in the places of prominence in public gatherings. And as I think about that, uh, can't help but think of Scandinavian Lutherans. Uh, I think some of them kind of use this as a basis for sitting in the very back of the church, right? And, and I'm not sure that's really the reason for all you folks back there today. I'm sure there are some of you back there, though, <clears throat> and you have your reasons. But Jesus says to us here, well, don't be like the scribes and Pharisees. Don't desire the positions of honor. Don't desire fancy titles. Don't be called rabbi or teacher, for instance. The scribes and the Pharisees loved being called rabbi or teacher. <clears throat> they loved looking down on everyone else as you know nothings. And you know, there is always a danger with education that it goes to people's heads and they despise others as less than. The pandemic seems to have brought out the worst in some people and we see this attitude then all the more. As some government leaders and medical experts and media people talk with kind of disdain about anyone that disagrees with them. And I believe that Jesus would say to us who are Christians, don't be like them. He also says here in verse 9, don't call anyone on earth your father. And I think we likely would misunderstand this one. Jesus is speaking not about physical family relationships, you know, where all of us, of course, have a dad or a father. He's talking about being called father in a religious sense. In the Hebrew religious culture, you see, father was a term for only the most prominent or revered of teachers. And Jesus is saying, don't put anyone on earth in that extremely high regard. Now, that doesn't mean that there's no place for this term father at all in the church. Timothy looked on the apostle Paul as his spiritual father. And Paul likely was the one that led him to personal living faith in Jesus Christ and helped him to grow in that faith and, and even become a spiritual leader himself. And it was, it's a great privilege then for anybody through, to, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit to have that kind of a spiritual impact on somebody else. That's a good thing. But we are to be careful not to elevate anyone to a position where we see then their word as equal to or even above the Holy Scriptures. And this is where we understand the Catholic Church to go a little too far. As they call the Pope their Holy Father, and they give him authority to speak ex cathedra, where his word is elevated then to the same level as Scripture. Jesus also says here, don't be called leader. And the word for leader here, it, it, it assumes, or it's, it's a leader who assumes full responsibility for those led and who commands and, and, and is obeyed. Like a commander in chief. 
We have certainly been reminded in the last week of the burden of responsibility that falls on somebody that is commander-in-chief. <clears throat> Commanding obedience of some can result in lives of others being endangered or even killed as a result of the command then being carried out. And so, in a way, you'd have to say, don't wish that role on anyone. It's a dangerous position to be in. And, and that is especially true if they then allow that position to go to their head and to think that they are answerable to no one. And this is true in the political realm as well as in the Christian church. <clears throat> I like what R.C.H. Lenski says as he shows some insight regarding this. He says, But all of those human leaders must ever and only follow Christ's leadership. And all of us have the fullest right to test out all of their decisions by the standard of Christ's own decisions. And to summarily then reject what is contrary to his word and accept only what his word approves. And that's a key point to these verses. So why not be called teacher or father or leader? It's because to do so is to be seating yourself in Jesus' seat. And none of us deserve to be there. As we look at the last section then here we see that <clears throat> Jesus' seat. Jesus says only one is our teacher. We are all brothers and sisters. But wait a minute. Don't we appoint various people to be Sunday school teachers? Don't we have pastors who are called to teach in the congregation? And the answer, of course, is yes, we do. But there is a reason that there we as a congregation call people to those roles of teacher and together call pastors and they don't appoint themselves to those roles and even in those roles we still see ourselves and students and teachers alike as equals as brothers and sisters in Christ and as fellow students then of his written word Jesus says for only one is your teacher you are all brothers and sisters and only one in our is our father in heaven um, God Almighty, our Creator, Jesus taught us to pray to Him and approach Him as our Father who art in heaven. And only one is leader of all. Verse 10, only one is your leader, that is Christ. And so though we elect men and women to different leadership roles in the congregation and we ask them to lead in various areas of focus, still no one should be giving orders around here. Nobody has that right. Only Jesus Christ does. I have to appreciate in the Free Lutheran Church that they have maintained that as an emphasis, that there are no ranks within the congregation. In the military, there are ranks. And for instance, in whatever the sergeant says, the military recruits have to do. If the sergeant, for instance, decides he wants to limit access uh, for, to phones uh, to just a half hour a week on Sunday afternoons, then that's exactly what they get. And, and if he wants the whole squadron to do 100 push-ups right now, that's what they will do. He's in charge. But that sergeant will follow the orders of those who rank over him. <clears throat> it's not that way in the church. No one gives the orders around here but Jesus Christ. Only one is our teacher, our father, and our leader, and his word is final. No lower leader has the right of private judgment. 
any who try to place their word above scripture are heretics or wolves in sheep's clothing. And there are many of them in the so-called Christian churches even all over our land. Lastly this, Jesus points out the greatest one is our servant. And that's exactly who Jesus is and what Jesus did. He left the glories of heaven to take on a human form and to serve us all in so many ways, ultimately by being willing to lay down his very life for us on the cross to provide forgiveness of sin and eternal life. So the ultimate picture of a servant is the one who willingly went all the way to the cross in our place. In Philippians 2 that we read earlier in our text today, um, in the scripture readings, there it said, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him. So in conclusion, the great principle on which all of this rests is this. If you want to be great, be a servant. Verse 11, the greatest of you shall be your servant. Do we all catch that? Then we are to look for ways to serve each other in the congregations. As we look ahead in our schedule, Rally Sunday is just about a month away, and there will be reminded there are all kinds of opportunities to serve in our congregation. And so look for ways to step in and do just that, each one of us. Let's all seek to be great together. Not in the way that the world sees it, by asserting yourself and giving orders to others, but no, by taking on the role of a servant. Jesus says in verse 12 here, he who exalts himself will be humbled. And that's true. Sooner or later that will happen. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this lesson that we all need to learn over and over again. We, we confuse ourselves, Lord, as we look around at the world and we uh, see people that uh, are in charge and like to give orders and tell people what to do. Uh, Lord, we recognize, though, that Jesus says that the greatest are those who are willing to serve humbly, not asserting themselves, not looking for places of honor and and. Uh, up front and ahead of everybody uh, but Lord those who are willing to humbly serve and so Lord help us that we would learn from your example Jesus we thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to go to the cross there that we could have then what we couldn't attain ourselves but, but you could attain for us eternal life and, and forgiveness of all of our sins we thank you for that help us to live in thankfulness Lord to to you for that and to gladly serve you and others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.